You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Tuesday, March 28th. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. City staff are hoping to win over $10 million in federal grant funding to repave and improve Catlianne Street. When the Sitka Assembly meets tonight, it will consider whether to apply for a grant from the Alaska Department of Transportation Community Transportation Program. It's part of the $2.6 billion sent to Alaska through the Bipartisan Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act that was signed into law by President Biden in November of 2021. If the city were awarded a grant from the program, it would require at least a 9% match, around $956,000. Higher matches make applications more competitive, however, and if the Assembly decides the city should apply for the grant, they must then decide how high of a match to put forward. The Assembly will also consider the annual work goals for the City's Sustainability Commission, and it will consider authorizing a property tax exemption for the Sitka Historical Society. The Sitka Assembly meets at 6 p.m. tonight. Raven News will broadcast that meeting live following Alaska News Nightly. Herring began spawning over the weekend in Sitka. Around three nautical miles of spawn were observed by the Alaska Department of Fish and Game during aerial surveys on Sunday. Most of that was concentrated around Shoals Point, with around one nautical mile observed on the southern Cruzoff Island shoreline. On Monday, just under eight nautical miles of active herring spawn were observed on the southern and southeastern Cruzoff Island from Cape Edgecombe to Shoals Point and south of Fred's Creek. The Sitka Sound Sacro herring fishery has been on notice for five days, but so far state managers haven't called for an opening of the fishery. Most of the test sets conducted by the department and industry vessels on Sunday and Monday yielded fish that weren't large enough to call for an opening. Wrangell's tribal government is sponsoring an event that aims to cut down on the amount of potentially toxic electronic waste that gets thrown away on the island. KSTK's Sage Smiley reports. Wrangell's borough government doesn't have a recycling service, so residents make do with a variety of private and tribal government-sponsored ways to cut down on waste. There is a community compost area at the community garden. The local swim team collects cans for recycling, and Wrangell grocery stores accept cardboard. Every few years, the Wrangell Cooperative Association's Environmental Office also hosts an electronic waste recycling event. All electronics, computers, laptops, TVs have precious metals in them that can be reused, along with the plastics that encase them, can also be reused. Kim Wickman is one half of the two-person office. It's expensive to ship trash off Wrangell Island, and she says reducing what gets shipped saves money and space in the landfills down south. Plus, many electronics are toxic. And as these electronics break down, they will actually start to leach certain um, toxic heavy metals, lead, mercury, cambium, those type of things, into the landfill, which will end up um, can find its way into different waterways, which then finds its way back to us. So by recycling them, we're keeping things that are hazardous from the landfills, which will then keep them from coming to us. Another benefit is recycling precious metals that have to be mined. So the more that we're able to reuse these different metals, the less mining we have to do to obtain them. After collecting electronic waste from Wrangell residents, Wickman says that waste will be sorted and put on pallets where it'll be barged down to Washington to a recycling center called Total Reclaim. They will um, harvest out the precious metals so they can be reused again. Anything that's toxic that could be inside of them will be disposed of properly and the plastics can be recycled. The sky's the limit for the variety of small electronics that can be recycled at the event. So we like to say everything with a brain or a cord. Um, so that goes to, it could be 
your laptop or your cell phone, um, pretty much anything except for vacuum cleaners, uh, white goods, so like your refrigerators, even though they have um, a chip in them now, we don't, we can't take those, we don't have the capacity for it, or hospital type equipment, those type of things are things we're not going to be accepting. That also includes household batteries. Wickman says larger batteries, like the ones in a car, won't be accepted at the e-waste recycling event, but can be recycled at local auto or marine shops. The tribe's e-waste recycling event started around 2016, after Wickman went to the Southeast Environmental Conference in Ketchikan and attended a presentation on electronic waste and e-waste recycling events. And I thought, you know what, this is really, really cool. This is something Wrangell needs because we kept finding TVs out on the logging roads that people would dump or old computers that were shot full of holes. Uh, you know, this could be a much better option than leaving them out at the end of Spur Road. The last time WCA held an e-waste recycling event in 2021, they collected more than 6,500 pounds of old computers, televisions, and corded household appliances. And again, Wickman says shipping all that metal and plastic down south gets expensive. So, for the first time, they'll be charging Wrangleites to drop off e-waste, 25 cents per pound. Um, unfortunately, on our end of it, it's not free. We have to pay to ship everything down south, and then we actually have to pay Total Reclaim to process all of it for us, and it can get pretty spendy. So we're hoping by charging 25 cents a pound that we can at least cover a little bit of our shipping costs, so that way we'll be able to host these type of programs longer. But Wickman says they're also extending the event to three days rather than cramming it into a single day so that more people might be able to find time to stop by and recycle old tech. And so that way we're hoping we can kind of get things around people who are trying to be working on those days. Maybe they can squeeze it in at a lunch hour somewhere in there or after work. If a rummage through cupboards and closets turns up some old electronics that can be recycled, WCA will be accepting e-waste recycling at the Cultural Center on Front Street Thursday and Friday from 12 p.m. to 5 p.m. and from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Saturday, April 1st. In Wrangell, I'm Sage Smiley. The summer camp run by Ketchikan's Parks and Recreation Department is expanding this year due to high demand and long wait lists for young campers. The program could also soon become certified through a nationwide summer camp program, which would open doors to further growth. KRBD's Reagan Miller has the details. Every summer, Ketchikan kids have the chance to enroll in the summer camp put on by the Ketchikan Gateway Borough's Parks and Recreation Department. The camp lasts anywhere from 9 to 13 weeks. But you can't always get in. The waitlist has grown to record highs, according to Kalia Allen, the department's recreation programmer. I've never seen a waitlist so long before. It was between 20 and 30 kids a week. So we knew that it was a growing program and it was a want and it was a need for a lot of families. Wendy Miller, the department's recreation director, told Ketchikan's Borough Assembly on Monday that the camp has an agreement with Ketchikan Charter School this year. Camp will be headquartered in the school when campers aren't swimming, hiking, roller skating, or taking nature walks. Previously, the camp was run out of the Gateway Recreation Center, which is next to the charter school. The new venue will give the camp more space. We always try to get more and more creative every single summer. But expanding the size of camp isn't the only improvement coming down the pipe. Allen says that she's also working on preparing for a visit from the American Camp Association. Usually um, places take about a year to two years to fully get ready for their visit, and we're kind of cramming it in in three to four months. But it's something that um, I've become very passionate in. It's something that I want to do because I know it will improve the quality for everyone. The National Association will decide if Ketchikan's camp can become accredited. 
A certification would allow camp directors to advertise their jobs on the association's website, plus access to more resources. Allen says the certification also would help streamline safety policies. There's a lot of perks out there. We can start posting our jobs um, through their websites and through their work resources, so there could be more opportunities as far as getting more um, college students or college graduates or people in the education field, not just here, but there as well. Right now, Ketchikan's camp is staffed almost completely by locals. Staffers range from high school students to career teachers. So far, there are 17 counselors signed up to help this year. Miller, the recreation director, says that they still need two more counselors. At the end of the day, Allen says it's all about making the opportunity available to as many kids and families as possible. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Reagan Miller. Last week, President Joe Biden presented Medals of Honor for Arts and Humanities. Sharing the stage with celebrities like Sir Elton John and Julia Louise Dreyfus was Sean Spruce, host of the public radio program Native America Calling. Being there at the White House and, and just, you know, as a Native person, you, you feel a bit conflicted, right? Because you know the history there. You know where the building stands. But, you know, I, don't, I understand the United States is not a perfect country. And, and is they, they, the treatment of, of our people has, has had, you know, we all know the history and the stories there. But at the same time, we're Americans. And I'm proud, proud to be an American. And, and that day there in the White House, I've never been prouder. Spruce is Laguna Pueblo. The daily call-in radio show he hosts won a National Humanities Medal. It's produced by Koanic Broadcast Corporation, based in Anchorage. Native America Calling has been around for almost 30 years. It airs every weekday on almost 150 stations. More than half of them are Native-owned or controlled. Spruce attributes the show's success to finding cohesive themes for Native communities coast-to-coast, while also recognizing the nuances and differences that exist across Native America. If you're a Native person, you listen to that show, and it might not be a show topic that definitely correlates directly with your community, but we always give every Native person something to take away from every one of these shows, something for them to connect with. Twelve National Humanities Medals were given out this year. Native American educator Henrietta Mann was also a recipient. The Cheyenne Elder created many Native American studies programs at both tribal and state universities taking a look at the community calendar. Sprouts, a free preschool program for children aged 3 to 5 and their caregivers, is at 10.30 a.m. on Tuesdays at the Sitka Sound Science Center through April. Each session begins with a story, followed by hands-on crafts and activities related to the story's theme. For more information, call 907-747-8878. Southeast Alaska Independent Living's Adventure Club meets at 1.30 p.m. today at Pioneer Park for s'mores at the seashore. The event is open to adults of all abilities over the age of 15. Call Mary Sheehan at 888-487-1029 for more information and to sign up. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.